0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? It it is code for sit down, Mark. That that is one of my favorite things about this body, though, is like like if, if we let you, you would just hug it out like all all day. Like so, it's 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 good to put a stop to it so we can get to, down to business. But it is nice to see how much you guys love each other. So. Very, very cool. Um, good morning. My name is Dylan Adams. I am a deacon in training and the youth leader here at Pierce Point Community Church. Welcome to everyone here in person and everyone online. Um, you are stuck with me today because Nathan and his family are on a family vacation, so sucks for you, but I'm happy to be, happy to be up here. So <laughs> um, on the sadder side of things, um, please be praying for the uh, Briggs family. Um, one of our members, Bob Briggs, passed away uh, a few days ago, so... Be praying for them. Uh, loss is never easy, and they won't, they need as much uh, as much prayer as as we can give them. So, all right, we are going to be hopping into Genesis 23 today. Um, it is ironic um, because the last time Nathan asked me to preach, he made me preach on circumcision, and the this time I get to preach about the uh, death of Sarah, Abraham's wife, and finding a burial site for her. So, I don't think I, I think I'm missing some favor with Nathan, but you know. I'd rather just draw topics if I could. You know, I think I'd have better luck. Uh, a few things before we hop into Genesis 23. Um, this is after the offering up of Isaac as uh, Dwayne would have preached on last week or the week before. Um, this is after that. And Sarah is about 127 years old at this point uh, of her death. Um, it is unclear uh, what she died from. Scripture doesn't specifically say. Um, but I did see something funny in one of the commentaries that I read. Um, there are some scholars, and I wouldn't put a lot of stock in this, but I laughed a little bit when I read it. Um, There are some scholars that believe that in hearing of what Abraham did to Isaac, uh, Sarah swooned and then died. So there are some scholars that believe because of Abraham's offering up of Isaac on the altar that she just was shocked into death. So I laughed. I guess it wasn't as funny as I thought, but I was like it was it was it made me chuckle cuz I was like that is an interesting thing to to hold to without a whole lot of proof. So um so as always we're going to read through Genesis 23 as 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 a whole and then I'm going to pull out a few parts that really st- stood out to me and we're going to we're going to talk about a few things. So bear with me. There are some names here that I'm going to do my absolute best in pronouncing correctly um but I'm probably going to mess it up and I'm sure Dwayne will tell me later. So <laughs> all right. Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in, we'll call it Hebrew, because that's what it was. Um, Sarah died in Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in, went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before, before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heath saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a sight among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. The sons of Heath answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heath. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my my dead out of my sight, hear me. And approach Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me. That he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is, at, which is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heath. And Ephron the, the Hittite answered Abraham and the hearing of the sons of Heath, even, even of all who went in at the gate and of his city, saying, No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field. And I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land. He spoke to Ephron in the hearing of, of the people of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Then Ephron, Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, my lord, Listen to me, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver, what is, what is that between me and you? So bear your dead. Abraham listened to Ephron, and, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver, which, had, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heath. 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. So Ephron's field, which was in Machpelah, which faced Mamir, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, that were within all the confines of its border, were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heath, but for all who went in at the gate of his city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah, facing Mamir, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field... And the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heath. Let's break this down. So starting off, um, we see Abraham mourning Sarah. And through my experience, it's very interesting that when you meet somebody, a man or woman of mighty faith, somebody that is very strong in their faith, such as Abraham, it's almost like people expect these people to react differently to the woes of this world. Um, In some cases, yes, we should react differently in certain ways, but I have been in situations where people will almost expect Christians to not mourn because we know what the future is. Even if you know, even if you have the greatest faith in the world, and you know that you'll see that person again in heaven one day. It does not mean that, that we, we don't mourn. Abraham, he's literally coming off of his faith being tested. He is, he is considered righteous by his faith in the Lord. And he still takes time to mourn his wife, Sarah. It does not matter how faith-filled you are. You have the permission to mourn. Matter of fact, we know this. Because Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount actually says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they those who mourn, because you will be comforted. And Paul in First Thessalonians actually touches on, on this this idea as well. He says, But but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do do the rest who have no hope. Even Paul is saying, It is okay to grieve. You should mourn. It is healthy. We have to work through the loss of the people that are close to us. But we do not mourn like people with no hope. For we have a hope greater than any hope, and his name is Jesus. Because he has overcome this world. And because he has overcome this world, we will overcome this world. As I wrote this, um, I found out about Bob Briggs passing. Um and it was just fitting to, to really think about this because I, I just, many of us spoke to Bob just Sunday. Um, so to find out that he is gone is a, a heavy burden on many of us. And you, you never know the last time you're going to see somebody. And I am, I trust in the Lord for every moment of my life because if I didn't, I would fall on my face constantly. But in the midst of losing somebody, I've experienced much loss in in, in my life. The only thing that will get us truly through it is Jesus and the hope that is within him. And we have to lean on that. Mourn. It It is important for us to mourn. It is important for us to grieve. But do not do it like people with no hope because we have a hope greater than we could even fully comprehend. The important thing when we are mourning is to realize that There is a time to mourn and there is a time to pick ourselves back up and do what the Lord has called us to do. We see that in the next few verses of uh, of Genesis chapter 23 where it says, Then Abraham, this is after he has mourned over Sarah, it says, Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heath, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Abraham knows that there are things that need to be done. He is still mourning. It's not like he's just moved on and said, ah, okay, I I did the thing, now it's time to take care of business. He's still mourning, but he he stands up and he says, okay, let's take care of what needs to be taken care of. In the same way, we can mourn, but also remember that we've still been given a commission to walk out from the Lord. Now we're going to flip the switch a little bit here, and I want to there's a few things I want you to understand when Abraham begins to speak to the sons of Heath about finding a burial site for Sarah. Um, One, remember, this is in the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan is a part of the promise that God made to Abraham. God said that one day the land of Canaan will belong to Abraham and his descendants. That has not happened yet. Abraham is aware of this. That is why he asks to be able to receive a piece of land to bury his to, to bury his debt. Here's another interesting thing. Abraham has no legal right to own that land. He doesn't even have legal right to buy the land on society standards in, uh, in that time. In order for him to be able to buy that land, he would have had to been married to someone of that land or have been born in that land. So Abraham is asking a question that on a, on a normal legal standpoint, would be, absolutely not. Like, you don't have any right to this land. You can't buy this land. But he asks anyway. That should, that should mean a few things to us. One, he has enough faith in what God has promised to ask anyway. Um, Barney and I, I, I love Barney. He's so good at, like, bouncing things back and forth. But it's one of the things where Abraham was aware of the promise that was made and then you see his faith in the in the promise that has been made and the fact that he was willing to ask for the land that he knew would be his one day he put actions to his faith that's important how many of us have stared in the face of something that we knew was impossible but did not have the faith to ask anyway i have many times but sometimes you have to say I know what the truth of the matter is, but I know my God. I'm going to ask anyway. And you'll never know. you never know what'll happen. The worst they could say is no. One of the things that's interesting here is Abraham approaches this with much humility, much faith, but also much humility. He makes it very clear of his, where he's at. He's aware uh, of his situation. He's like, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. A few interesting things here. Um, Abraham is well known in this land, but well known in a lot of places. I mean, we've gone through the stories of Abraham over several weeks now. He's well known. He's very wealthy. They knew of Abraham and Abraham could have walked in there with a lot of pride on his shoulders, kicked open the door and said, this is what I want, you're going to give it to me. He may, he, he may have even still got what he wanted because of his reputation in that land, but he didn't. He asked and he said, can you give me this so I can bury my dead? So we're going to talk a little more in depth about humility because as we know, that is something that we are called to. We're called to be a, a humble people. Humility is an important aspect of the Christian walk as it requires us to put aside our own desires and pride and instead seek to serve and honor God above all else. Abraham in this situation knows what needs to happen, has faith enough to ask the question, but he's humble enough to approach it. Almost, I mean, we read it there earlier when we ran through it. He is almost prostrating himself in this manner. He bows to these people after making this request and then responding to him with honor and all these things. He is humbling himself before these people, even though he has full faith. He has all these things. He's wealthy. He's got all this going on, but he still goes and says, I'm going to humble myself among these people. I know people that have somewhat of a good job, not even a great job, just a good job, and, they, and they're not able to humble themselves in, in that manner. Abraham was like richest, richer beyond belief and was able to humble himself in the midst of these people. So what, what does the Bible say about humility? We're going to run through a few different verses here. Um, Matthew uh, chapter 23, um, uh, verses 8 through 12 says, But you are not to be called a rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven, Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. We'll touch on that later. It's funny. I highlight parts of scripture that I want to I stand out. So the end of this is whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We see Abraham time and time again humble himself, and we watch the Lord raise him to a place of honor. On the down on the on the flip side of that, we also, if we think about people in our lives, we see people exalt themselves, raise themselves to a place of honor, to a place of importance, and we watch those people fall, be humbled. Um, what, what is that saying? Oh, how the mighty have fallen! <laughs> um, it, it remains true, and it's so interesting because it's like the the concept is in the Bible. We are warned of. Being humble, because if we're, if we're the proud, will be humbled, and we see that in our, even in the even in the, the fleshly world, even in the in the world outside of our, our Christian life, we see this to still be true. So it's very interesting. Um, what does it mean to be exalted? Uh, the English definition would say, uh, placed at a high or powerful level, held in high regard. So to exalt oneself is to hold yourself in a high regard. To think of yourself more, the scripture would say more highly than you ought. Um, the Lord, it, it, Being exalted is not a bad thing. Exalting yourself is where you get in trouble because that, it's the pride that you, you, you have this pride and you feel like you are greater than you are and you'll find out very quickly that there's a place that you belong and it's not where you've put yourself. Um, the Hebrew word most often translated exalt or exalted is rum, which again is to lift up or to become high. So it's the same concept of you're exalting yourself, you're lifting yourself up where you don't belong. Um, James chapter four, verse six says, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Again, it's that idea of humbling yourself and the reverence of the Lord and saying, and this is more of gospel, gospel-centered, but it's humbling yourself and saying, I am aware of who I am. I'm a sinner in need of a savior i have no power to do it of my own this is who i am and through that the lord is able to use his grace to redeem you but not outside of that i mean you 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 cannot be walking through life thinking that you are the greatest of all time and there, you know you you're, you don't have any sin problems and you you don't have any issues it's very hard for the Lord to use his grace to, to save you in that situation because you have to humble yourself and realize I am a sinner in need of a savior. First Peter, uh, chapter 5, verses 6 through 7 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's at the proper time that you'll be exalted. Um, I think it's very easy, especially when it comes to like the Lord's promises and, and these things. It's very easy to want to rush those things, but there's a proper time for you to be exalted, and the Lord knows that. So we have to humble ourselves and wait. It's um, it's one of the things where, if you are faithful in small things, you're humble and you're faithful in the small things. He will allow you to be faithful in, in, in the in the bigger things, right? It's that same thing where if you are humble in what He has you doing, He will He will lift you. He will exalt you to where you're called to be. I started out washing dishes at the Christian Help Center in Batavia. That was my service to the Lord. That's um, where I actually met Ruth Ann uh, and, and many many amazing people. But that was my that was my gig. I prayed. I was a new Christian and I said, Lord, I just want to serve Your people. And I started washing dishes and serving food, and I found so much joy in something so small. And I was faithful in that, and I was humble in that. And then, and then the Lord calls me to to cover for one of the teachers that are out, and I realize I have a passion for teaching. And he, and, and, and I'm faithful in that. And then I get to and then I get to lead the little youth group that's in the Christian Help Center and, and, and teach, and like, and teach the teachers, and, and serve, and, and that, and that aspect, and then I find out that there's a, there's, there was a a need for another person here at Pierce Point Community Church, when, when Amanda was still running, running things, my Thursdays were open, I said, Lord, let's do it, like, you continue to allow me to, to, and then, okay, we're good, and then I, I, I started serving the youth here, and, Amanda ended up moving to Oklahoma, and I get to take over the youth, and it is insane to me to think about the fact that I started out just washing dishes, and I found joy in that, and I was humble in that. I didn't think, I wasn't back there going, I I shouldn't be washing dishes, I'm made for greater things. No, I just wanted to serve in any way possible, and that's what I did. And now I have the honor to speak to all of you And it's it's so crazy to think about that. The Lord will lift you up at the right time. He will put you where you were meant to be, but you have to trust in him and humble yourself in the midst of that waiting. I never thought I would be sitting here doing this. Never. Absolutely not. Um, But he's brought me here in the midst of much learning and much humbling of the Lord. He has exalted me to this place where I get to have the honor to speak to all of you. It's huge. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Romans 12 verses 3 through 5 says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Let's talk about that for a second. This idea of humility is to to understand where you where you where you what plane that you exist in, right? So, this chapter, this Romans chapter twelve, is talking about the body. We are one body, right? Different members of one body. So some of you may be a foot, some of you may be the hand, some of you may be the mouth. All are just as equally important. They all serve the purpose of bringing glory to our Lord. Amen? We, just because I am blessed right now to be being used as as a mouth to, to, to teach all of you, doesn't mean that I'm greater than anybody else here. Your service that the Lord has put you in is just as important as anything that He puts puts me in because it all furthers the kingdom and it all brings glory to the Most High God. Amen? So we have to understand, and I'm I think this is where I'm gonna put this in because it feels like the right place, but we have to understand that none of us are more important than the other. It's all a service, it's all we're all called to this, to the same Great Commission, it just looks a little different because each of us has been given gifts and different things here 's an important thing about humility um, when i when I became a uh, a christian I, would, I read the Bible a lot, and as you know, when you start reading the Bible, there are some things that, if not properly taught um, or interpreted, can kind of send you in a weird direction so when I became a Christian, um, I read about this humility and when I came to the Lord, I was, I was very much all in. I'd, I'd come to a point in my life where um, I had made a lot of mistakes, and I'd done a lot of stupid things, and my prayer was literally, God, if you were real, here's my life, do something with it. And by golly, he took me up on the offer, um, because I'm sitting here right now. Um, but in that moment, because I was, I was all in, I took off like a rocket ship. I was all in. I wanted what God had for me. And I, I wanted to know what I was called to. So I started reading the Bible, and I was reading about this humility. And I'd, I'd surpassed a lot of my Christian friends that were around me at the time very quickly because of the passion that I had. And um, my deepest fear in these in these situations, it, it was I didn't want people to think that I was prideful because I had I had become... Knowledgeable and wise in certain situations, and very passionate about what the Lord had called me to. So, I read about this humility in the Bible, and I said, "Man, I've got to humble myself. I got to make sure that I'm humble." So, I spent so much time beating myself down Um, because I thought that's what I thought that that's what humility was. I thought humility was thinking low of, of oneself. And it's so interesting because I spent so much time convincing myself that I was low and that I was humbling myself and this is and all these things that the first time that I was asked to teach it was at the Christian help center on a Tuesday night Bible study, I was so I I had made myself so low, I had humbled myself so much that I became useless to be to to, to the service that was that was brought to me. I I remember sitting at home wrestling with trying to put together a lesson to teach, but also feel like, feeling like I, didn't ha- I was not worthy to teach. I was not important enough to teach. I, 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 didn't, I didn't have the right rank. All of these things, and I'd beat myself down to that point where I was not able to do the service the Lord had brought me to do. He'd brought me up to do. I'd prayed to do the thing that I'd, that I'd been offered, and I'd beat myself down so much that I couldn't do it. And I had to have a friend of mine kind of smack me around a little bit spiritually, and uh, maybe physically, I, I didn't, you know, who does? But I'd have a friend really beat me up and talk to, talk to me through these trains of thought. So the important thing in regards to humility is it is to not think of yourself more highly than you ought. It is to understand that you are not more important than somebody else. But to be humble, truly humble, means for you to realize that you are a child of the Most High God, that you were redeemed, that you were forgiven. And in the midst of that, you are royalty. You have an inheritance. But in the midst of that, realizing that you are worthy, if he says you're worthy, but realizing that you're not more important than the person next to you. It's not a beating down of yourself. You don't have to think of yourself as worthless. That is not humility. That's actually false humility. It's understanding that you are a child of God. You are loved by the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He found you important enough to die on the cross, to pay your debt, if that's the case, there's no way that we can truly think down of ourselves, and we're not called to, but we are called to understand where we stand. We are sinners in need of a savior. Everything that you and I have are gifts from God. We cannot boast, not even on our salvation, because it's by it's by it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's we cannot even boast on our own salvation. Everything that we have is a gift from, from our Father. So if you really want to humble yourself, that's how you do it. You understand where you stand. You are not useless. You are not garbage. And trust me, there were days that I thought, thought like that because that's what I thought it took to humble myself. But in reality, I had to understand that I am called to greatness, but only because Jesus has called me to that. And it doesn't make me any better than anybody else. I'm called to serve this body with the same gifts, the same list of gifts that all of you are called to serve this body with. Humble yourselves by realizing that we are all under Jesus, we are all part of this body, and we've all been given the same commission. There's an interesting scripture in Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 25 through 28 where we get this, phrase, this scripture that says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for, for many. So the, the greatest among us should be a servant, right? Jesus, Then we're going to do a comparison here, Abraham and Jesus. Jesus, if anybody had the right to come in here, guns blazing, pride, ready to go, it was Jesus himself come from the Lord but even the king of all kings and the lord of all lords did not come to be served he came to serve, he humbled himself in the midst of this world and he died for, to, for the sins of many if Jesus is, is out here humbling himself and Abraham who is the father of the faith is out here humbling himself even though he had so much to be prideful for we too should be diligent in humbling ourselves. Because as we know, those that exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How do we practically cultivate humility in our own lives? How do we work on that? Well, practice gratitude. Be thankful for what you have and acknowledge that everything you have is a gift from God. That really puts you in a good mindset. If you're walking around here and thinking that you are just hot stuff and everything you have is because of you and you're great and you're awesome. Like, realize that every good gift comes from the Father. Um, <laughs> it makes me think of, uh, like in movies where you see people giving themselves pep talks in the, in the mirror. Like, you're great. You're wonderful. It's like, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna look in the mirror and go, everything I have comes from Jesus. It comes from the Father. Um, in the same way, I mean, I'll give you an example of this. So, um, I work at TQL, as you can see. It was the only shirt I had clean. I promised I'm not wrapping work at church, I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to wear the, my white button up, but every time I wear it with these suspenders, Mark said I look like an Amish person, so you get the TQL shirt, I'm sorry. But I work at TQL. Um, I've gotten a few promotions within the last year, and I've worked really, really hard for these promotions, especially this last one. Um, uh, late, ni- late nights, early mornings really pushing, really trying to show really the things the Lord has given me the, the drive to be a good leader to care for people the, the, to care for a team um, I know that I've put in hard work, right but every moment that I think about this promotion all I do is thank the Lord because all good things come from Him everything that I am is from Him the leadership qualities that I have are because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit that he's given me to guide me in leadership. I, I'm, not, I'm not walking around going, I did great. I deserve this. Maybe, but it's all because of Jesus, and it's all for his glory. Another way that we can cultivate humility in our lives is to serve others, Look for opportunities to help others in need without expecting anything in return. Um, it's interesting. We see a, an a, a example of humility. It's funny. I feel like Dwayne right now. It's ten fifty-five, and I'm not done. Like, <laughs> um, we see an example of humility in the Jesus washing the disciples' feet, right? And of course, there's a few different pictures that we see there, where you know it, it could be seen as him, you know, washing them of their sins and all these things, but. I don't know if you guys have ever washed somebody's feet, but it takes a large amount of humility to truly wash another member of the body of Christ's feet. It's, and it is a, I have a picture somewhere of this massive body of, of young adults that just are washing each other's feet and praising Jesus. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it takes a large amount of humility, more humility than I would have ever dreamed of. Um, Look for opportunities to serve those around you. Maybe it's not washing, washing people's feet, but it does require you to humble yourself, to seek somebody else outside of yourself. That is a good way to practice humility. Listen more than you speak. You can always see what kind of pride somebody has in themselves by how much they speak. And I have been convicted of this heavily. Uh, the book of James tells us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. It also says to be slow to anger. If you think that you're, if you hold yourself more highly than you ought, then you, that may, the fruit of that may show in the way that you talk over other people, where you are not listening to those around you, but more just speaking, or you're planning on what you're, what the next thing you're going to say is, right? Listen more than you speak. Humble yourself and say, when it's time for you to speak, you'll know. But But wait and let some and let somebody speak and listen to them. It is amazing how much good ministry comes from just listening to somebody nathan is Nathan is a good example of that i 've come to him with problems in, in my in, in my life, and i 've talked to him, and i 've talked his ear off and this man has sat silent and at the end of it, he says three sentences, and i 'm just like, "Holy crap, you got it. Like, like, it like it took him three sentences to really help me through those things, and he was just willing to listen to me because he humbled himself. He didn't think that what he had to say was more important than anybody else. Practice forgiveness. You know what's really hard to do um, if you're not humbling yourself? Forgive people. You're called to forgive people, and the scripture actually says to be forgiven, we must forgive, and that requires you to humble yourself, and again, realize where you stand, Right? You are a sinner in need of a savior. You have sinned far more in the face of God than anybody's ever sinned against you, I promise. Practice forgiveness. Seek wise counsel. It takes a humble person to go, hmm, I probably don't probably don't know everything. Let me me seek some wise counsel. Scripture actually says a wise man seeks wise counsel. Focus on God's greatness. Again, it's, it's remembering where you stand, not putting yourself above God in your own life. Remember that God is infinitely, infinitely greater than us and keep that perspective in mind when facing challenges or struggles. By consistently practicing these habits, Christians can develop a mindset of humility and cultivate a deep sense of reverence and awe for God. What are the results of Abraham's humility here? Well, you see, this is so crazy to me, you see the sons of Heath, they answered Abraham, saying to him, hear us, my Lord. They address him as my Lord. This is a guy that has no right to this land. Yes, they know him, they know, he, they know of, of his, his wealth, they know of his stature, all these things, but he reacts humbly to them and they react honorable to him. It's almost like those that, are, that will humble themselves will be exalted. We have a, this is a prime example of Abraham coming at something in a humble manner and then honoring him. I do not believe they would have reacted the same way if Abraham had not reacted with, with humility. He may have still got what he wanted because God is blessing Abraham, he's fulfilling a part of a promise. They honor Abraham to the point where Abraham is willing to pay for this land, and they're trying to give it to him. They're just like, "Take it, take whatever you want. We will, we you can have the choicest of graves. We will give to you whatever you need to bury your dead." And of course, it's it's so funny because this 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 whole like story reminds me of like two two like Christian families out to dinner where one's trying to pay for the meal, but the other wants to pay for the meal, and they just go back and forth. That's literally this whole this whole thing of like Abraham's like. I'll give you money. And they're like, no, take it. We, 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 we honor you. Take this. Like you, we want you to have this. And he was like, but money. And they're like, no, like you can have this. And, and it's back and forth. Of, and finally, we, we, get to, we get to the end where Ephron answered Abraham saying, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth, worth 400 shekels of silver, what is that between me and you? So bury your dead. And of course, Abraham weighs out the 400 shekels of silver and he pays Ephron, and it's deeded over to him. But you see, and the result of Abraham's humility is again a lifting up. Now Abraham is a landowner. He has been exalted to landowner, which fulfills part of a promise. Now he owns a part of the land of Canaan. He started out not having any rights to this land, humbled himself, had faith enough to ask, and he ends this, this chapter receiving the land to bury his dead. And he doesn't just bury Sarah here. Abraham one day will be buried here. Um, Sarah, Sarah's buried there. Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Leah. This becomes a family plot for, for Abraham's family. All because he had the humility and the faith to say, can I have a place to bury my dead? And they honor him by giving it to him. Even though Abraham was a stranger in this land... He's referred to in an honorable manner. How often do we let our pride get in the way of how we how, how to correctly respond to somebody? Even in this world, we get we get so upset when people say crazy stuff about Christians or Jesus, and we like like Jesus needs us to like to defend him. I listen to it all day at work. I we I have people that sit close to me that are just the things they say are very ignorant. And, there, and I believe that there is a time the Lord will allow me to speak into them and into and 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 these beliefs and these situations. But I could get offended and be prideful and say some crazy stuff that will give them a bad taste of Jesus. For some people in your lives, you're the only Jesus figure that they will ever meet. You're the only representative of Christ that they will ever meet. So if we are not humble in those situations and we don't act in such, one, they're definitely not going to honor you. <laughs> trust me i 've been on the other side of that they 're not going to honor you, and you 're also not going to be able to be a good representative of Jesus. Abraham is blessed, and we know that we We see the promises of God oh, like pouring over Abraham in so many different situations, and we see that God has favor over Abraham. One of the things, and this is where we'll kind of we 'll kind of end here. One of the things I wanted to note is we see that Abraham is prosperous, right? He has prosperity. Um, in this case, it is a financial prosperity. He is wealthy, he's now, he's now been given land, he's a landowner, he is prosperous. God has favor on him. It would be easy for us as Christians, because, you know, as Nathan always says, we search for meaning, right? We're meaning-generating people. It would be easy to go, sweet, Abraham's the father of the faith, God, God, God's prosperity on him was with financial. so name it and claim it, baby, I'm, I, I want prosperity like Abraham. It's not the case. The same God that says, I will give spiritual gifts out as he sees fit, the same God that gives out prosperity, we are all promised prosperity, but we're not promised it in a financial gain not promised fancy cars or big houses, sometimes it's just a spiritual prosperity, and we should be okay with that. The only thing any of us are really promised is everlasting life through Christ Jesus. And if that is the most prosperous that I am ever, praise be to God. I, If I never have a big house with a big yard with with my kids running around, that's okay, because the treasure that is found in Christ Jesus is greater than anything that we could be given on this earth. He gives out as he sees fit. He will bless Abraham different than he will bless Mark. He'll bless Mark different than he will bless me. We have to humble ourselves and be okay with that. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we have to trust him. Humble yourselves so we can be exalted. Because if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. And I would rather all of us be one of the exalted ones. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us, that you have grace and mercy and love for your people, that you would send Jesus in our place. And that you guide us in the way that we should go. You allow us to understand what it means to humble ourselves and to seek you. Lord, I pray that we, as your body, are good representatives, that we are able to humble ourselves and bring glory to you in the midst of that. Lord, Lord give us the hunger to, to know you and to know where we stand, and to bring glory to you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.